Hi there, it's Nick here. Thanks so much for your continued support of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. Wherever you consume your podcast, it is great to have you with us. I would alert you again to the racing app which is your one-stop shop and the easiest place now to download the show each and every morning as soon as it's ready. Many of you are doing so already, and that's not just because you can get access to all 880 episodes of this show, and very easily as well, but you can also watch live races. You can watch all the replays, and you can stream in the card with an active Fitstairs account. So do download it now, uh, the racing app. It's your one-stop shop and you will be able to catch up on all the previous episodes of your favourite daily racing podcast. You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Thursday the 18th of January, Baltic here in TW11, but very sunny. Weather watch in a few moments' time as we go round the grounds to decipher whether there'll be any racing at Ascot, Haydock, Taunton at the weekend. Uh, it's not looking great, uh, that's the clue. First, however, news has just broken that Aplutar, the Cheltenham Gold Cup hero of 2022, who's not found his form since, has officially been retired. Now, if you were listening to this podcast a few weeks ago, listening to owner Richard Thompson, it will have come as no surprise to you. But the decision has now officially been made. And Henry de Bromhead, the man who has trained at Plutar uh, and who's handled him so brilliantly through the years, is with me now. Uh, Henry, was it a difficult decision in the end? Uh, no, I don't think so. We just, uh, yeah, look, he's just been disappointing, obviously, since uh, he just hasn't been himself at all. Since the Gold Cup, uh, we thought we had reasons last year. And, uh, I, I, you know, we... We've tried everything and, yeah, he just doesn't seem to be himself. And do you think it's a case of one of those where he just gave, he laid the lot out on Gold Cup Day? Because he was so brilliant that day. Possibly, yeah, possibly. Um, I, yeah, look, I'm, I'm not sure, but it, it, like I say, he's just he just isn't what he was, sadly, yeah. But but for you, uh, an absolute talisman you know, through, through some some extraordinary years of achievement on on the race course how would you how would you sum him up in a few sentences as a uh, as an athlete oh sure look he was very special you know he's one of the best horses we've ever had um uh, you know like you know he was visually impressive obviously uh so impressive in the gold cup but uh even i think he was uh top three or four in the last 30 years top three or four rated gold cup winners in the last 30 years so i mean that that says it all i think yeah but yeah look he had everything you know um it was hard to believe a horse with his pace uh you know would 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 have the stamina for for a gold cup like uh, i think it was I can't remember what year it was, but when he won the when he beat Shaquem Poussois at Leopardstown in the two mile grade one, uh, and the following year he came back and won the Savills. You know, um, yeah, look, he was he was just a, as I say, a very special horse. Same colours, a big race at Thurlis at the weekend, and you've got uh, Envoy Allen entered. Would you quite like to run him? 
Yeah, I, uh, subject to ground, etc. Yeah, we, we, you know, there's a bit of rain coming in, so we'll see. We're nothing confirmed as yet, but uh, be nice to get a run into him. But he's as good fresh as well, so we're not overly pushed. Yeah. And is he is he in good form? Are you sort of pleased with the way he's working his way through the season? Yeah, he's in super form. Yeah, you know, obviously his run up the north was a very good run. He was unlucky to get beaten, and, and he's been in great form since. Okay, and as far as the the future's concerned, obviously he's a a fifth of the price for the Ryanair as he is for the Gold Cup. But it are the are both races still still options? I would say we're very much leaning towards the Ryanair, but again, you know, nothing. We ha- we have our options, and that that's that's a long way away. We haven't uh, firmed anything up yet. Right, that was Henry de Bromhead on the retirement of Apluta and also news of Envoi Allen, who could well take on, again, the same owner, Chiefly Park Studs, Alaho at Thurlis on the weekend. That's a, a mouth-watering clash. We might not have John Bonnell Fabiolo, but if we have Envoi Allen and Alaho, that's nearly as, nearly as good. Nearly as good. More of that in a moment. Um, and it is Ascot, the intended scene of the great showdown between El Fabiolo and John Bond, where we're going to start our weather watch with Chris Stickles, and this is what happened overnight. Uh, uh, look, it, it, it's going to be very challenging for, from what I can see right now. We're, we're minus six as we speak, and it's about half past, half past seven this morning at the moment. We um, we got down to minus six. Temperatures are still probably dropping. Um, it's frozen under the covers in the shaded areas, particularly under the shadow of the grandstand, and then certain takeoffs and landings, you know, in, in, in the shaded areas. I don't think temperatures are due to get up much above two degrees today, which will obviously not help as much. And then, you know, tonight, it'll, the forecast at the moment is for minus three to minus four tonight. And I think if we get, you know, those kind of temperatures, I think that we'll find a very similar situation tomorrow. And then, you know, then we'll be able to make a decision, unfortunately. Uh, I, temperatures on, fr- on Friday night, okay, maybe may, may a bit less cold, but you know, by that stage, the frost will be so far in the ground that the there won't be any, uh, you know, if it, if it does get that cold tonight, there won't be, there won't be any hope of it coming out by, uh, by twelve forty or one o'clock Saturday, you know. All right. So, what about Kirkland up at Haydock? Uh, Kirkland, what's the situation with you? Is it bad there as well? Well, we, yes, we've had a hard frost last night, um, so there's been no prospect of racing today. But we are very much aware of the thaw that's on its way and anxious not to move too soon. So for that reason, our plan is to call an inspection for 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, recognising that it is odds against. OK, thank you, Kirkland. Here's Jason Loosemore at Taunton. Yeah, uh, minus four and a half last night, and it's hanging around now presently. We're set to get to plus five, plus six today um, before it freezes again this evening. Uh, we could be sort of minus two or three overnight into tomorrow we've an inspection plan for tomorrow at 12 o'clock my gut feeling is that at 12 o'clock tomorrow it won't be raceable um but what's what's sort of giving us a, a modicum of uh, encouragement is the fact that um from tomorrow 10 o'clock we we shouldn't have any more frost so we obviously need to see temperatures pick up tomorrow they'll get to plus six um then no frost on Friday night into Saturday. It's going to hover around one, maybe zero. So it's, yeah, it's another cold night, but not as anything like as hard as it has been. And then Saturday, it's sort of warming up to sort of plus three into the early hours of the morning on Saturday to seven or eight on Saturday itself. So, sorry, but 
long-winded, but the top and bottom of it is that we'll look tomorrow at 12 o'clock. If we feel it's improved and we'll continue to do so, then we'll give it every chance. If, however, we feel at 12 o'clock tomorrow that it's not made enough of an improvement, then obviously we'll be, we'll be in a situation where we have to, to pull stumps on it. So there you are. That's the latest and a rather different picture from yesterday as regards Ascot as I welcome in the Racing Post to Maddie Playle to the show. It's looking highly unlikely now and the decision really is whether uh, Willie Mullins and his team travel El Fabiolo, Maddie, because if they do and the meeting is off, then there is little chance of him making a return visit in a few days' time if the if the race is rescheduled. So it's going to be a bit of a head-scratcher for Willie Mullins. David Casey, I know, is speaking to Chris Tickles this morning um for for him yeah obviously there was a, a notable drift on el fabiolo a few days ago um willie mullins since outlining that if the race did go ahead then it would definitely be their intention to run but obviously that's a considerable gray area at the moment i spent a large portion of my shift yesterday talking to clerks the course all over the country um for various meetings and it's looking challenging i, I do feel for them in the the current environment because obviously they want to do their best to get the meeting on but equally they don't want anyone to be wasting either their time or their money which is something that Kirkland Tellwright at Haydock referenced. Um, it seems as if, as if we're just dealing with some very very cold temperatures overnight and frost. Um, there is a thaw coming I believe but it's when that thaw comes and how high those temperatures are so we're in no man's land a little bit Nick. And, of course, if he doesn't actually get on the boat, El Fabiolo, then that would increase, you'd have thought, the chances of him coming over if the race is rescheduled next weekend. These are all ifs. Quite a sensitive subject, this, as we saw with the prize money situation from Sandown to Warwick last week. It's a it's a complex set of stakeholders that need to be consulted when you move a race. Uh, Cheltenham has normally taken this race in the past on trials day if it's abandoned at, at Ascot. Uh, and there's no obvious reason to think that won't happen again. There was suggestions that it could go to Lingfield on Sunday, but they'd have to be making a call now for that to be viable, really. And again, you're not completely secure in the knowledge that that's going to be on. Um, and it's not a push-button exercise to reprogram a race. It needs somebody to put up the money, a new race course to put up the money. The levy board quite often have to step in. If it's a different race course group, it makes it yet more complicated. But let's uh, let's hope it will be Cheltenham next Sunday, I guess. Yeah, it's the logical one, isn't it? We saw Editor De Geep fight off Edward Stone in the Clarence House when it was run there um, recently, and um, it certainly adds to, to that card. But yeah, it's it's a shame that these races can't take place at the racecourses where they're, they're homed initially, but what can we do? It's the weather. So, Maddie, as reported in your paper, The Racing Post, this morning, what's happening with the ITV coverage Saturday and the intended meeting that was going to start at 10 past 10 at Lingfield with a race into the opening show? Yeah, so that's been moved back to its initial slot now into the uh, the, ev- uh, the afternoon as ITV Racing have reshuffled um, their timings and what they're going to do. Um, and obviously, we'll wait for more news on that. One thing I do think that's worth mentioning as well, Nick, is is Lingfield. Obviously, we know they've already lost their Friday card, and their Lightning Novices Chase is now going to be run on Sunday. Um, fingers crossed, Sunday can go ahead. But I do wonder if this meeting continues to fall foul to the weather. Obviously, it did last year. Um, whether a more permanent uh, move to somewhere else will be mooted <laughs> there, there is a there is a there is a venue owned by the same racecourse group that is 
that is coming back into circulation quite soon uh, for the jumpers. Uh, yes. Yeah. And that I must admit, when you said that, that did come across my mind because um, when those conversations were had, when it was announced um, that Windsor would be staging jump racing again, I spoke to Nicky Henderson about it. And one of the things that he was keen to stress was how the race course used to have such good ground relatively to um, other tracks uh, in the winter um, across the country because of where it's located and topography and the ground and everything to do with that. Um, so perhaps that could be an option. That would be really interesting. I would quite like to see that, actually. But I don't want to take anything away from Lingfield because it's very capable of sta staging such a fixture um, when they get the weather. But if it continues to to pose issues, then surely that's something that's going to be given consideration. Okay, that's all to follow. The latest raft of Cheltenham Festival entries have been published as we twiddle our thumbs and wait for some horses to actually run. Uh, is, it, is there anything that has particularly piqued your interest? Iroko is very interesting. Obviously, we thought that he would be out for the season and now it doesn't appear that way. Fingers crossed there's still a fighting chance he could make either the Arkle or the Turners. I suspect given that he won the Martin Pipe over 2-5, the longer distance race could be him. Uh, for him. He could also face uh, Ile Francais in that race. Now, I think this is slightly wishful thinking because it seems connections are keen to follow their initial plan and and not make a visit to the Cheltenham Festival. But I'd argue that he's probably the most exciting horse in training in terms of potential and promise Ile Francais after what we saw him do in the Corto Star Novices Chase at Kempton on Boxing Day. Um, so I guess there's just a carrot dangling there. Okay, the first horse you mentioned there was Iroko. Yes, back from the cold, in from the cold, Iroko, uh, for Oliver Greenall and Josh Guerriero, a festival winner last year, as you mentioned. And we thought he was out for the season. He's not. And I put in a call to co-trainer Oliver Greenall and asked him what had been happening. Yeah, sort of the early advice was it's going to be sort of three months off. And then we just felt that's probably going to push it too late to get him, you know, getting ready for any of the spring festivals. But, um, you know, he's just... It seems to have come back to hand a lot quicker. The vets are happy with him. So at this stage, it's just slowly increasing his work and... Um, you know, see how we get on. There's no definite plans yet, but he um, actually only had six weeks off. So, you know, if everything went well, that you know, there's every chance he could he could go to the festival. Uh, and I said that, you know, it's not going to be easy for him, um, having only had the one run of offences. I, I, I was going to say, if he's if he's had six weeks off, he can't have been six weeks doing nothing, can he? Otherwise, or, or has he st been still been sort of ticking? Yeah, he's been walking and trotting um, and, and sort of cantering towards the end of that six weeks. So, um, it, 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 you know, he, we've, we've, got, we've got a chance, but he's not going to be able to have a prep run between, um, between now and, and the festival. So that, that would be a slight concern. Um, he'd, you know, he'd have to go and do a good race course gallop somewhere, I suppose. Um, you, you've been involved in, in so many horses of varying degrees of experience down the years. What's your hunch as to whether, you know, if he was fit and well, he could take something like this off the prep that he's had? Yeah, I think I think he could. Um, just challenge a different story, isn't it? That's why I'd probably be more comfortable in the Turners. Just, yeah, just, it wouldn't just be, you know, going as quick, I suppose, than the Arkle. Um I don't know. He he seems like he made a couple of mistakes at Warwick, but on the whole, he was very very good at Warwick. 
um, and they seemed to sprint coming out the back. And he, you know, he, he measured the fences extremely well. And Warwick's not the easiest place for a novice either. So we were very impressed. He seems very sure-footed. And the day we went over fences with him at home, he's always been very, very good. And he's one of those horses that really, you know, is setting himself up for a fence a long way out. Um, so, you know, if, if any horse can do it, you know, I'm sure he can. And does he make life easy for himself? You know, if you've got a horse on the comeback trail, he's obviously done himself well over the last few weeks. Is he the sort of horse that gives himself the best chance? Yeah, he is. He's, he's straightforward to train. Like, he's um, he hasn't put a lot of weight on. He's, he's looking in good condition. Um, you know, he's, 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 he's not a exuberant horse at home but he's not lazy either so he'll do enough at home to get himself fit um yeah we just have to see how it goes um if we can't get to Cheltenham we can't get to Cheltenham we can look at something else um we're probably just you know the next couple of weeks is going to be whether we know we'll have a chat with AP and Frank and just you know decide um because there is there is a race a couple of weeks before Cheltenham that he could possibly go for and then just go to H or something like that. So we'll, you know, we just, we'll, we'll know a bit more. We're just going to take each day as it comes, really. All right, that's Ollie Greenall. Back to what's happening this weekend and we're hopeful, if the forecast is right, that we will go to Lingfield on Sunday and that'll be the feature jumps action in Britain. I'll come to Ireland in a moment. Maddie Playle's still with me. Maddie Lompresse is the most exciting horse running. There's no doubt about that. What's he got on his plate this weekend? And what do you need to see from him this weekend to think that your Gold Cup voucher is a valid one? Yeah, I think the Gold Cup's a really open race this year, Nick. I think he was around 20 to 1 and I just thought he was a potential shortener uh, in the race. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him back on track again after injury um, and seated when we last saw him in the King George behind Brave Man's Game but before that obviously won the rehearsal off a mark of 164 something Venetia Williams has liked to do with her horses running them in handicaps off lofty marks we hopefully we'll see it on Saturday with Royal Pagai we wait on Haydock for that but yeah essentially what's hallmarked Lompresse's performances so far has been his strong travelling ability and his love for jumping. We saw that when he won the 2022 uh, Silly Isles Novices Chase, and then he went and won the Brown Advisory, beating a Hoysenor. Um, But he's going to come up against a real credible opposition here in the shape of Protectorat, possibly Fugitive and Limerick Lace, others in the market there as well. Protectorat looked a little bit more like himself when finishing third um, behind Broadway Boy at Cheltenham when we last saw him. He's also as often run in and out but this was a race that for me smacked as a, a very nice preparation for something else and given uh how well Dan Skelton has been going at the moment that excellent six-timer last weekend and how he likes to target races and that's the way that Protectorat likes to be trained as well when he gets his set of conditions I can imagine he will be absolutely 110% for this so it should be a really interesting battle I just hope it goes ahead all right, well, um, you mentioned uh, Fugitive there as one of the rivals to Lompresse. Fugitive won the December Gold Cup at Cheltenham under that brilliant ride from Gavin Sheehan. And trainer Richard Hobson's on the line now. Uh, Richard, how's he done since then? Yeah, he's in good order, actually, Nick. Yeah, he's um, came out of the race extremely well. Um, I think we're pretty keen to go at the weekend if it's on. He did a nice piece of work yesterday. 
And um, if we went to Cheltenham Trials Day, he's probably going to be carrying 12 stone in the handicap. So, yeah, the likelihood is we, we possibly will go this weekend. And he's a, you know, a powerful, robust horse. Do you think the demands of the race will suit him quite well? I think so, yeah. I mean, a two-mile-six round there is just going to be right up his street. Um, the track, I'm not so sure about. Um, sharp enough turning in down the hill there. I think get into a nice rhythm down the back straight at Linkfield. Um, there's plenty to jump. So it's like, a, I guess, a little mini Chepstow down the back, isn't it? He won round there nicely on, on Boxing Day a year ago. Um, so I would say with all that in hand on the ground, it should suit him, yeah. And still, he's a, a horse who's who's just turned nine. He he's not had that much racing for a horse of his age either, has he? Is there is there more there? Do you think you're you're potentially scratching the surface? Well, you'd like to, to hope so. Um, I mean, he's off one five seven now, which is quite a high mark, and um, I think a little bit more improvement in him will come when we do step up, step him up in trip. Um, there's no doubt. I think he'll save three miles. Mm. You see, this is what puzzled me: is that you gave him an entry for the Ryanair, but you didn't give him a you didn't give him a flyer in the Gold Cup. No, no, not not this year. Definitely not this year. Um, I mean, we have. Don't forget, we like you say, he's, he's lightly raced. We have sort of, you know, let him sort of um, mature into the, the size that he is. You know, he is seventeen. Well, his best part is seventeen two anyway. And he's a big framed horse, and we didn't want to run him over any extreme distances to start with. And we, we've um, little by little built him up to to sort of what he is now. And um, hopefully next season we've got that up our sleeves. You know. Uh, best of luck Sunday. Thanks, Richard. Brilliant. Cheers, Nick. Thank you. All right. Well, we. Keeping a close eye on early closing entries for races over jumps at the moment. But actually, there's a quite an important early closer on the flat. And it's the Winter Derby that now doesn't take place at Lingfield. Another uh, another uh, SKP from, from Lingfield and has gone to Southall on the, on the new surface there at 24th of Feb. And amongst the entries for that is the wonderful eight-year-old Lord North, who has the distinction of having won the last three editions of the Dubai Turf. His uh, co-trainer, Thady Gosden, joins me now. Uh, Thady, we haven't seen him since he won his last Dubai Turf at Maidan. Um, how's he doing? Yeah, exactly. He's um he's doing well, you know. He uh he had a nice holiday through the summer. Um, of course, temperatures are a little bit colder here at the minute, <laughs> but uh, but no, he's doing well. He's training pleasingly at home. Um, and similarly to the previous years, the plan is to hopefully go to the Winter Derby. Although, as you say, obviously it's changed from Lingfield over a mile and a quarter to Southall over a mile three, um, which slightly changes the dynamic of the race, but it still serves as a good prep uh, for races in Dubai. Mm. And hopefully. He didn't. He didn't take up both engagements. I'm just looking through those Dubai wins. The first time was off a break, and he hadn't run since the since the Breeders' Cup. The, uh, the second and third times, you know, both times he went to Lingfield. The first time he was defeated last year, he won very impressively. Is there is there any suggestion that he can be as good as an eight year old as he was when last we saw him? Well, you think so? Obviously, um, you know, fully matured at five. And so he won't have changed much of the last couple of years. He's in very good health, feels very well in himself. Um, and he'd like to think that he, he maintains the ability that he's shown before. And obviously when you've won a race so many times, you, you want to go back and target it and that becomes the priority. Was it in, fully intentional to give him nearly a full a full year off, really, and just to target this? Or were there issues along the way? Well, exactly. Obviously, he's, um, he's a horse who's been competing at the highest level for a long time now. And uh, and as you know, those races are you know they're hard races mostly. And he's a horse who he obviously travels very well internationally. Um, 
and there wasn't sort of much reason to to keep going through the summer. Obviously, this is a target. Um, of course, you know, as we know, if you, if you ever race them through the year, then they're not going to maintain their level of form, generally speaking. Um, so obviously, he's had a nice break now, enjoying the summer weather here, and uh, you know, did him did him doing again for the winter. All right, that was Thady Gosden, co-trainer of Lord North. It shouldn't be under underappreciated this Maddie Playle, should it? The idea that a horse could win four international Grade One races in succession, or Group One races in succession, and still be potentially doing it at the age of eight—if that all comes off—that'll be a remarkable feat. It will be a sensational achievement. It really would, Nick. And I think you talk about different training feats, and this would be exceptional from Sadie Gosden uh, and John because this horse has not been straightforward to train either. He's pretty lightly raced for a horse who's who's eight, uh, gelded now, of course. Um, you remember when he he won the Cesare, uh, the Cambridgeshire. Sorry, not the Cesare. That would be quite entertaining, wouldn't it? The Cambridgeshire. Um, he was well back to do so, and since then. He's just been a wonderful horse running in, in grade one level. And he clearly likes conditions out in Maidan. Uh, the first year, you remember, he beat Van de Garde. And then he, of course, uh, dead heated in that magnificent finish with Pantalassa, who's only recently been retired himself. And then last year, beating Japan's best again in Dan on Beluga. And then Nations Pride back in third. And he went on to boost that form internationally at group one level as well. So... Lord North's just a fantastic horse and it's great that he seems to retain his turn of foot the older he gets. Last year, he looked as good as ever and I know the Gosden team took a particular amount of pride in that performance and they really enjoy having him around the place. So, uh, yeah, on the day after we've seen Stradivarius' first foal, that future won't be awaiting Lord North, but it's great to see him on track nevertheless. Yeah, a bit of a warrior, Lord North. He'll go to Maidan uh, at the end of March for the... Dubai Turf, trying to win that for the fourth time. Of course, the Maidan Carnival is in full swing at the moment. Next leg is taking place tomorrow. The feature race is the Group 2 Cape Verde. Uh, Laura King is our Dubai correspondent, and she joins me now to look forward to that. Uh, Laura, what sort of a running of the Cape Verde can we expect, and what are the key storylines here? Well, the question is, can the two plucky Brits beat the Godolphin might? I mean, Godolphin... Have a bit of a stranglehold on this race. Charlie Appleby's won it four times. He's throwing three at it this time. None of them perhaps have the the past form of his previous winners. So maybe William Haggis, a master at a target train, can win it with Mystic Pearl. Or perhaps Hugo Palmer can win it with Stenson Glider. And Charlie Appleby runs English Rose at the head of the market. Just the two runs for two wins. I mean, she's got a lot to find on the figures, but she's very well bred. Frankel Philly. Does he normally run a horse in this that you would think would then go on through the season? Is this indicative of the fact that she's highly regarded or not? Yeah, it can be indicative of the one that's going to go globetrotting. Um, Althika, who won this in 2021 for Charlie, went off to the States and did really well there. And then with the moonlight, also did well um, over in, in the States last seen at the Breeders' Cup. So it can be it can be the one that he thinks, yep, yeah, this is my sort of Saratoga horse. Or it can be the one that sort of turns up in the daily estates, races like that at Newmarket, the Duke of Cambridge, races like that. But they're always well-bred, of course, and, and certainly English Rose has got that going for her, being out of Sibetsu, uh, who's, who's a Group 1 winner. Um, but I wonder if this was a difficult decision for William Buick, picking her over Shining Jewel and Silver Lady, because they're all pretty unexpected exposed what uh, what else can we look forward to uh, on the on the friday card this week 
Well, I, I'm a big fan of, of Europeans trying the dirt. It's brave. It doesn't often pay off. But Jamie Osborne's more intrepid than most, and he's running many a star back quite quickly um, in the third race on the card. And that's a 1,200-metre, so a six-furlong dirt sprint. So be interesting to see how he gets on there. And then the man to follow, really, in Dubai over the last couple of years from a British perspective has been George Bowie. And, and he's, of course, done brilliantly, had a win already this carnival with with Wall Bank, and he's got all the King's men and Koi Koi who line up against each other. And that's in the uh, the Jebel Ali free zone handicap. So that's at nine o'clock to buy time. So five o'clock here. Um, and I think they could be they could be pretty interesting. There's also a French runner in there that I quite like called Domaine, who goes for Francis Graffard. So plenty of, of European representation. Again, there's nine of them in total and nine races. So plenty of bang for your buck. And I suppose the other interesting race is the, the Cocoa Beach Stakes, which is a, a three-year-old a mile fillies race on the dirt, formerly known as the, the UAE 1000 Guineas. Again, interesting that Gay Kellaway, brave enough to go to the dirt again with Halla Abra, William Knight with Frost at Dawn, who ran a great race last time. And they go up against a couple of very smart locally trained fillies. Lafati for Michael Costa, who's been the man this year in Dubai. He's doing brilliantly. And Manamar Gold, who's very highly regarded for Fauzi Nas. So that race looks intriguing. That's the Cocoa Beach, and that's uh, due off at 7.50 Dubai time, so 2.50 UK. Look forward to that. And we ought to give people advance notice of what's happening next week, Laura. Why? Oh, next week's brilliant. So what they've done uh, is they've sort of re reframed, if you like, the, the season over there, the carnival. And next week is, it's called Fashion Friday, um, but it's basically an all all group race card. It's absolutely smashing. We've got the Blue Point Sprint and we've got the, the two group ones that were formerly held on Super Saturday. So the idea is that this is a kind of prep meeting for other targets in the region, be it races in Qatar, be it the Dubai World Cup, be it the Saudi Cup. So we've got the, the two great ones. What was Maktoum Challenge round three is now just called the Maktoum Challenge. And we've also got the Jebel Hatter. So plenty of interesting horses flying in for that. There's a couple that have already come in from America. So really, really looking forward to next weekend's meeting. I think it's going to be absolutely brilliant. Well, sad news came through yesterday of the death of Peter Deal, long-standing owner and great supporter of the sport. Uh, Peter was most well-remembered for owning Maker Stand, the extraordinary horse who went from a humble claimer on the flat to winning the champion hurdle in just about a season under the extraordinary stewardship of Martin Pipe, who also trained uh, dual Grand National placed Cheltenham Festival hero Blowing Wind for Peter. But he had many more and many more interests beside. He was a a huge lover of cricket, a great philanthropist and a great enthusiast for racing in all its forms. Tom Scudamore rode for Martin Pipe and then David Pipe for so many years when those famous uh, blue and, and yellow crossbelt colours were carried to, to many successes and joins me now. Tom, tell me a little bit about, about Peter and what made him a special owner. Uh, he just he understood the fabric of, of jump racing, of jace, racing as a whole. Um, he was a great supporter, not just of Pond House, but of young jockeys and young trainers as well. Um, he was just a, you know, a, a fabulous man to ride for. Uh, you know, he took defeat as well as he did did victory, and um, you know, he, he just he completely understood the, the fabric of, of, of racing. And for you, he, he gave you quite a, a special and, and forever memorable moment. Yeah, he did. I was, um, but I first went down to 
Pondhouse. Um, obviously, one of the one of the stars there was Blowing Wind, um, who'd been placed in two consecutive Grand Nationals under AP. Um, and I think I was 19. It was my second or third ride in in, in the Grand National. Um, and obviously, at that stage, you know, Blowing Wind was a dual Cheltenham Festival winner been placed in Grand Nationals um, and he basically let, let a, an inexperienced conditional ride one of his pride and joys in, in the Grand National and, and um, Blowing Wind certainly looked after me um, like a saint that day and uh, yeah he, you know, it, was a, it was a very very kind thing to do and something I'll always be very grateful to you, know, you think of the iconic those colours are made so iconic through Make a Stand and you know, what, a, what a journey they, they went on together but also you know, all, all the, the fantastic horses that flowed through Pondhouse, obviously, you know, they won the champion hurdle together to make a stand. You know, two festival winners through Blowing Wind and the County Hurdle uh, and the Mild Mayor Fleet, but also successes on the flat with Mamluk and the Chester Cut. You know, he supported Martin. He supported David. Um, let's say he, he supported many other people. You know, he had so many fantastic horses with so many different people like of Hebridean, Wogan etc etc the list goes on um, so he was, a, he was a great supporter of racing a great supporter of people and he'll be dearly dearly missed Tom Scudamore there paying tribute to Peter Deal who died yesterday we like to think this podcast reaches parts that others don't always and we make reasonably frequent visits to, to New Zealand and this is certainly cause to do so because New Zealand racing has just undergone the biggest single racetrack development in its history. $55 million has been spent refurbishing Ellerslie Park. It's a complete overhaul, and it is now back in full swing. Uh, Ellerslie Park in Auckland, and their executive general manager, uh, Craig Baker, joins me now. Craig, hugely exciting times for you all. Just tell us how and why you've managed to do this. Yeah, well, um, we were just in a position where we were able to uh, leverage our um, property assets, which enabled us to afford a uh, project such as this. So, uh, 22 months ago, um, we started on the on this project and uh, built a Strathair track, which is a sort of similar uh, methodology to what they've got at Shartin uh, and Happy Valley and and uh, other tracks around the world. So a really superior draining track. Uh, at the moment, it can drain up to 200 millimetres an hour. So we can get 40 or 50 millimetres of rain the day before and still be on a, on a good four. So, um, yeah, it's just a bit of a game changer for, for not just our club, but also you know, the whole New Zealand industry. Yeah. I mean, this isn't simply a lick of paint. Uh, this is a an entirely new infrastructure and an entirely new racing surface. As you were saying, it it sounds very much like what they did with the straight course at Ascot as well, that, that free draining surface. As you say, the, the, the racing in Hong Kong, you can take as much rain as you want. You know, 100%, yep. So, um, like I said, it sort of it drains at 200 millimetres an hour, which is a phenomenal rate. And, um, yeah, it can rain as much as it uh, really likes and it won't really... De- um, the track won't won't really deteriorate. So uh, we've had we've started our testing um, phase sort of late last year, where we've had gallops and jump outs and trials, and then we had our first race meeting on on the new track on Sunday, just a six race card, and uh, yeah, couldn't have gone couldn't have gone better. We've had great feedback from the jockeys and uh, and the trainers. So um, yeah, all looking forward to TAB cracking millions next Sunday. Uh, and is this indicative of? Is this indicative of the way that, that horse racing and its popularity is trending in, in Auckland and in New Zealand generally? It's a, it's a big project. It's lovely to hear of such such rich ambition. 
Yeah, well, we've had a uh, we've had sort of I guess it was sort of been in a situation not too dissimilar to where the UK is at with their prize money. It's we've sort of been stagnating for a number of years. So, um, with but uh, Entain have came on board last year and have really given a huge um, surge in terms of money, which has given the industry uh, a huge boost. And um, I've been working in the industry for nearly 25 years, and I can't remember the more a, a time where it's been more buoyant, um, not just through what we've done, but the stake money now is getting to levels where uh, we can start retaining more horses in New Zealand because we've been, you know, we've traded a lot of horses over the years, which has resulted in uh, in our black type races being um, not rating as high as what they probably should be. You had a very significant winner on your first day as well, Legato, who people will remember uh, winning in in Sydney and, and winning some pretty big stuff as well. That must have been a huge boost to to really kickstart the the, the new Ellerslie. No, it really was. The trainer, Ken Kelso, um, he was a little bit concerned when he walked the track cause it, before the first race because it actually walks quite firm, but that's just the way the way Strathia tracks work. And uh, um, so he was a little bit nervous, but then she came out and blitzed him. Um, and... and uh, and over over fourteen hundred, and uh, yeah, Ryan Elliott, the jockey, said that she just sort of bounced off it and just loved it. So it gave us great great confidence um, into the future. And what can we look forward to in the coming days and weeks? So we've got uh, TAB Cracker Millions, which is next Saturday, which is a prelude to the um, national yearling sales here, uh, which is a huge event. So you TAB Cracker Millions, we've got a $1.5 million three-year-old race, a $1 million two-year-old race, and a $1 million four-year-old race. So it's a six-race card, and uh, we've got a couple of horses from Australia coming, plus four jockeys, including James McDonald, um, Mark Zara, and Blake Shin, so, um, and uh, yeah, pretty much the whole place is sold out, so it's uh, very exciting. Um, that's fantastic news, and it might just be worth, as you say, with the sale just around the corner, reminding people of some of the international stars that have been that have been purchased and, and originated at, at New Zealand sales, particularly some of those ready to run sales. Yeah, we've had um, yeah, we do breed a really nice, really nice horse, and uh, we've had a lot of size here um, from the UK as well. And El um, Manzor's one that you'll know, Nick, that um, is doing a good job uh, in New Zealand. But yeah, we've certainly um, bred and sold a lot of a lot of nice horses, both through the yearling sales and also the uh, ready to run sale, which is a very popular sale with Australians and Asian buyers as well. All right, Craig. Well, best of luck for the for the big meeting, uh, and congratulations on the on the refurbishment and. One day, who knows? I might even get to see you. Thanks so much. No, thanks, Nick. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks to Craig and thanks to all my guests today. Have you ever been to New Zealand, Maddie? I haven't. It's on the bucket list. I'd love to go. If anyone wants to invite me, that's your sign. <laughs> um, you wouldn't be the first member of your own family to go there, would you? No, my brother's actually out there at the moment. Um, he's gone backpacking as well as my sister. And um, yeah, it looks spectacular. I don't think he's been to any race courses, though, so I'll need to get him on that before he leaves sounds amazing 55 million dollar refurbishment all power to ellerslie park and thanks to craig baker for joining me have you got a tip for me for today i have i'm going to the 6 30 at Southall. um i'm going to take a chance on valsad who's having his first start for jamie osborne uh, the informed callum shepherd takes the ride it's been a little bit disappointing when he was last seen but he drops back into class three company here and it's worth remembering that safi osborne uh, one on him 
at a racing league fixture off a mark of 87 back in September. That was a really impressive win, just £3 higher now. Jamie wasn't giving too much away when I spoke to him yesterday, um, but I think they're confident of a big run, and I was encouraged by the money that's come for him. So Valsad in the 6.30 Southall for me. Thank you, Nick. Maddie, thank you very much. I'm imagining it'll be weather watch again tomorrow, but I think we know which way we are headed, which is probably not really anywhere um, during the course of the next few days. Unless, of course, you're in Ireland. A big race at Thurless. We mentioned at the beginning of the programme. It looks as though Envoy Allen is going to go there, according to Henry de Bromhead, Maddie. And it could even be that he takes on Alaho. Willie Mullins is suggesting that Alaho is going to turn up at, at Thurless. What are you expecting from him? What do you need to see that maybe you didn't see in the King George as we round off the show? Yeah, there's some suggestions that he's not quite as good this season as he was. And of course, that's a big expectation to hold over a horse of his quality. Uh, the dual Ryanair winner ran a very, very good race in the King George. feel like his performance often gets forgotten, only just beaten by Brave Man's Game for the uh, second place position. But I guess a lot of the focus was on Shishkin and his cap size late on. Alaho, I think I just want to see a little bit more zest from him, which perhaps might be asking a lot for a horse of, of his years and who's had his issues. But again, he's a horse who we know to sort of blaze a trail and bulldoze through his way, uh, his way through races. And I would like to see him do that once again. Great stuff, Maddie. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. We will be back to do it all over again tomorrow. Bye for now. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.